Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to ask the question, do you need to escape from your business? Ooh, do you? I, uh, <laughs> the opposite. I want to escape into my business. Exactly, exactly. Yes, we've finally come to the 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 bitter end of the bathroom renovation. And, uh, and it's remarkable how much easier my actual job is than tiling, <laughs> tiling a bathroom. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even do the tiling. Erica did. It was still hard. Just watching it was just really challenging. Well, the assist, you know, mixing the ground and humping buckets up and down the stairs and that sort mm. of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. But we finally can shower. It's Yay. delightful indoors life's little pleasures <laughs> yeah <laughs> indoor plumbing my instincts tell me it's going to catch on yeah uh cool so with this inspiration comes from a comment almost like a throwaway comment you made last week that we kind of zoomed past and then when i was editing the episode i was like hey there's something really interesting there and you had you had said something about how the kind of the kind of the the business literature is skewed toward people who have employees and that when they're kind of thinking their big thoughts about what, what direction they're going to take for the business or whatever their innovation looks like that they're kind of alone in a room uh, and that for for you said businesses like ours or you said I disagree with that for our kinds of businesses and I, my ears kind of parked up there uh, where your genius time is more, it happens at the same time as, or during client work or with clients. And I kind of wanted to like drill into that and, and talk about like, what really is the difference between a business like ours? Like I'm air quoting like mm -hmm. crazy, like a business like ours, what does that even mean? And how is it different from more of a traditional entrepreneurial model where like you run a bakery and the conventional wisdom is you shouldn't do every single job in the bakery because that will be awful for you and your customers and business. So you have to delegate to other human beings until we have robots, I guess. Right. So, uh, you know, do you think there's a fundamental difference between those two kinds of business models, call it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the reaction that I had, like in that sort of split second where I made that throwaway comment is that um, I've been reading a ton of books lately on some of these topics, and they're just all geared to people who have employees, and not only an employee or two, but quite a few. And so the focus is always on you need to get alone. You need to get away from them and think big thoughts. And I think a lot of people in our space, and by space, I mean, you know, we're selling something professional. We generally don't have employees. We might use contractors, but we don't have employees. We're selling expertise. Is that we think we're supposed to do that too. Oh, I have to find time to work on the business and I've got to do this and I have to do that. And I just don't think about it that way because I think about it as genius time and genius time is where you're working in your genius zone, firing on all cylinders. Genius time doesn't have to be that, you know, hour a week 
if you have employees that you get without anybody in your head. It doesn't have to be that. It can be the time that you're with clients where you're midwifing these transformations. <laughs> like that's your genius zone, not like figuring out what employee to hire or whether Joe gets a vacation the week that Sally really wanted it. You know, it's just it's it's a different way to work and live. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've, as you were saying that, I recalled, I have this note-taking technique. I guess technique's overstating it, but, you know, when I'm on the phone with someone, almost almost any kind of phone call like, like this or a, an accountability call with a coaching student or I'm doing a podcast and doing like a coaching, you know, a, a brainstorming session with, a, with someone who's looking for help or whatever, I'm always writing. And one of the, one of the little techniques I have is sometimes I'll have like a, an idea as we're talking, they'll give me an idea for something I should do. <laughs> and I draw this little light bulb next to the idea. So then when I go back through my notes, I, you know, I go back through after I take the paper notes, I take a picture of them all and put them in Google keep and, and, and the, the light bulbs pop out and I can be like, Oh yeah, that was an interesting idea. Or I don't remember what I meant or that wasn't the greatest idea, but it does happen. With, with with predictable regularity that as I'm working through stuff with someone, it gives me insights. And I feel like that is the, the kind of thing that I wouldn't have been able to do just sitting in the dark thinking big thoughts. It's, yes. it's inspired by the other person and feels very in the moment. It feels in the, it feels like flow state in, you know, in the zone and in creative in, I think every sense. Yeah, you know, when you say that, I'm thinking, you know, there are certain coaching sessions where we're on fire, like both of us, because we're like, each one is playing off the other with ideas. So somebody says, Oh, what if what if we did this? Okay, so what would that look like? And we start to play with it. And for me, that's genius zone territory. I love those kind of calls. And, and yeah, it's not that we don't need alone time to, to, you know, work on our points of view or work on new programs. I mean, of course we need that, but it doesn't have to be all about that. I, I think that's why a lot of us chose this kind of work, at least I did, um, because I wanted, I didn't want to supervise people who were doing it. I'd done that already. I wanted high touch, being able to see the direct result of the coaching and consulting that I do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would feel bereft if all of a sudden, you know, I didn't have any of that. And I was just sitting back, like pulling the dials and levers <laughs> for my giant team, you know, to put everything out in the world. And again, it's not that there's anything wrong with that model. If right. you want to have employees and you want to scale, power to you. Like, absolutely. I, I think if you want to do that, why not? give it a shot and, you know, and really enjoy the process. But a lot of us either have done that like me, and I don't want to do that again, or we want a life where we can do something else, mm. right? The business doesn't consume a hundred percent of our available time. Right. And you told a story before the show, we can cut it out if you don't want to do it, but um, where you were, you were saying how when you did have employees, you did feel like you needed to escape from it. <laughs> and would spend weeks in Paris sitting <laughs> sitting with your phone off, which I was like, you know. 
Yeah. So I, I did this thing and I want to say, you know, I had great employees. Like they were terrific. It's It wasn't about them as people or even as employees. It was just sometimes it was so overwhelming because I felt like I could never escape. There was never, ever an escape. There was always something. Either like the administrator would leave and I needed to find somebody new or there was a client problem or there was some kind of a conflict. So what I did was I figured that Europe was the one place I could go that was, I guess, except maybe Australia, but that was too far a flight. Um, It was like the one place I could go that was far enough away and had enough of a time difference that any problems that arose could be solved. So what I would do is I would give them my itinerary so they knew what hotel I was staying at. They had the the number of the hotel. Mm -hmm. So if they needed me, they could call me. But that was it. I was not available. And I would only go for like four to five days at a clip. So again, problems, most problems, you know, don't have to be solved in that second. And if they do, they could step up to the plate and solve them themselves. Yes. And there was one year that I went, I don't know, four or five times. I went to Paris. I went to Rome. Like, I, I mean, I really had a lot of fun. <laughs> but it was, it was an escape. And I don't know if it was um, the best idea, but for me, it just, it, it made me come back excited mm-hmm. to be with the team again. And I don't have that feeling about my business right now at all right i never get that escapism desire just just out of curiosity would you completely tune out of work while you're there or is this more about the communication like would you think things would you find yourself thinking about um growth innovation you know inspiration from the art i don't know would you any of that creep in or were you were you steadfastly not Yes and no. So the thing that I always did is I brought a blank journal with me with no lines. And I am not an artiste, but I would like draw little things and and I would like if I went to a museum or I should say when I went to a museum and I saw a piece I really liked, I'd pull it out and I would, you know, I'd either take a picture of it or I and or I would like write some notes. So I would get these ideas like sometimes I would be sitting there you know, having like a cup of tea in a in an outdoor cafe and people are walking by and I would just get an idea just by watching them. Most of my ideas were were like what to wear and how to decorate something because the Europeans <laughs> just do that so beautifully. And yes. so that was that was a lot of it, but it was soaking it in and inevitably, usually on the plane going home, I would have a page where I just started to write ideas that came to the business, but I never thought about it consciously. The whole idea was I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. I'm, I was totally off the grid in the sense of, um, you know, emails and all that. I just didn't, they didn't exist for me. Mm. Okay, perfect. So, so given that between, you know, of the two of us, you're the, you're the only one that has run both kinds of businesses. I mean, I managed one, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the same thing. And, I'm curious what what would you say is the core difference? So is it like what would you say it is? Is it that we're in the transformation business and the 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 firm wasn't, or is it more around the just the network of communications that has to exist when you've got a big team? Like do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, is, yeah, it a, I do. is an employee thing, or or would it have been different even if you 
did have employees, maybe if the division of labor was different. So if the employees were not doing client work, you were doing all the client work and they were doing things like uh, lead gen and billing and uh, you know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's the, it was the load of having people to worry about because again, these were great women. I mean, they were amazing. Um, but they wanted to talk about stuff, right? They wanted to talk about their project. They wanted to talk about um, something that came up in a client meeting. They wanted to talk about something that happened in their life that might impact how they work. Um, they wanted to. Talk, they just wanted to talk about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of being on a team. And so, yeah, I found that like I loved it at most of the time. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. some of the times I needed to go to Paris. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, and it's always, um, I don't want to say it's always, everybody has an opinion. And a lot of opinions get expressed and they don't all agree. And so they all, come, they would all come, the opinions would all basically come through me. And I would usually decide, unless I could defer it to uh, the woman who ran all the administrative side of the business, if it was administration, you know, she made the decision. And she would come to me if she needed me. But yeah, that that ate up a lot of time. And like I said, a lot of the time, it was really fun. But it it's like, I never felt like I could shut it off. And those were the employees. And, and the most, uh, the maximum number of employees we ever had at one time was six. Mm-hmm. But I had this, you know, extra group of contractors that were, I think the most I had was maybe 19, but it was usually about 17. And the contractors weren't as much work unless we were working on something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if there was an issue, they wanted, again, they wanted to talk about it. It's the communications. And I think we did relatively well in the sense that everybody had a company email. So we had like a system for communicating, but yeah, it was, it was, there was a, I don't know if it's even a cognitive load. There was just a load that came with that. It's, it's not like having kids, you know, they're adults, they have thoughts that, you know, it's not like that, but it, it definitely, it felt like a, another job. On top keeping of the job. track of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And stuff that I didn't always want to have to worry about or conflict that I didn't want to it's like I really I think people should resolve their own conflicts. <laughs> I really didn't want to resolve those right. unless it was with a client. Yeah, that's like that was a different thing. Okay, but so, yeah. So nowadays, so that was then. This is now. Nowadays, the communication that you have is, I imagine, um, still pretty high. I mean, you you like the one on one stuff. You're, I think, you're optimized around that or, or focused on that primarily so you know i actually don't know how many i don't have a sense of how many hours you spend a week talking to individuals you know whether it's whether it's clients or for new podcasts or going on other people's podcasts how many how much do you think you talk now and why and if it's not dramatically different then do you think it it must be the nature of the conversations yeah yeah because the con- well, and, and it's changing now for me because I now have two podcasts. So I've been and I've been front loading the new podcast. So I've been doing, if I count ours, I've been doing three a week, which is a lot and compared to what you know we usually do. Um, so I would say I spend maybe I'm counting the communications. Well, all right, there's talking and there's like slacking. So I would say I probably spend about 20 hours a week 
either talking with clients or at what I think of as allies or slacking in um, directly one-to-one or in um, my soloist women community. I would say it's about probably 20 hours. But the difference is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's so interesting. Okay. Like I could do more and I would love it. It's we're talking about, you know, what are you doing in your business? What's happening? What did this client say? What did that client say? How are you rethinking um how you go to market? What about your prices for this? Should you raise the price? Gee, um, you know, business isn't coming in the way it was. Should we look at prices? Should we look at how we sell? Should we look at how we position? Those are all again for me, those are intrinsically interesting. I could do that all day. In fact, when I meet Meet new people just out in the world. If they run a business, I can't help myself, right? <laughs> yeah, my, totally. my poor hairdresser, like I know way more about her business and she probably wants to tell me. Same here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just different. It's not a cognitive load in the same way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm, I test as an extrovert, but I, I like big chunks of, you know, introverted time. And so being able to have like a dialogue, um, whether it's through Slack or email, that's I love doing that, too, because mm-hmm. that, you know, again, you don't have the the sensory piece of being able to look at them and hear their voice, but you're still delving into some, you know, interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I guess it was, you know, it. So it's it's personal preference. It's it's the it's the uh, it's not the amount of conversations. Although I'm sure you're having fewer conversations now than when you were running a firm. I'm, I imagine that you were probably communicating with people pretty much full time. Yeah, all day. Yeah. So so it is it was more, but also it was some portion of that more was just not that interesting. You know, you know what just hit me though. Um, my last job job was um, running a national consulting practice for uh, a, a Fortune 500 company, and that one that was exhausting. Like uh, towards the end, I actually found a thing to study. I got certified in a in a methodology because I was like, I have to have something that isn't just. We were closing offices. I had. I don't even remember how many, maybe 60 employees, something like that. Well, there was there were over 100 when I started and part of the job was to, you know, shutter these offices and go to a virtual model. And so I think I had at one point 12 or 15 direct reports in all different cities all across the country. And it was constant. Mm. It was constant. And when I wasn't talking to them, and a lot of them were in angst because they didn't want to go from delivering services in person to delivering virtually. Um, you know, so th- there was that. And it, it was just there was a lot of negative stuff. That yeah. was probably the hardest job I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just constant. And I'm just not wired that way. I'm a builder. I want to I want to inspire people. I want to show them how to do things and how to build. And when people come in, you know, mad about stuff that happened before I was there that I can't do anything about, it's all about like the healing, you know. And it's again, it's, they deserve to have that. I mean, it wasn't that what they were asking for was unreasonable, but it was beyond my ability to deliver right. day in and day out and keep my sanity. Right. Yeah. So so surely lots of different you know surely everyone's different and there are lots of different personality types 
and I have encountered people who do get energized by that kind of team dynamic and the and making quick lots of quick decisions yeah and and are master delegators like I am an awful delegator I can I can see that it is a skill and it's they're just when you see when I meet someone like that or I see see them like wow we are really different and like they thrive in that that environment so I guess I so so I can imagine a situation where someone listening to this is perhaps feeling like they're identifying with some of this or it's resonating with them. And one of the other things we, we mentioned before the show started was escaping. Well, I think it came about because we were talking about the die with your boots on no exit post that Blair Ends mm. did a few years ago. You know, like I'm not, I'm not planning to sell the business. I'm not planning to retire. I'm going to die with my boots on. And, and that when you do that, it changes the nature of, pretty much all of your decisions, you know, you start thinking longer term or whatever. Mm-hmm. And part of the, like the genius idea that you suggested was escaping from your business could just be a pivot where it's not that you, you know, hang up your spurs and say like, forget this, I'm going in house or forget whatever. Um, I'm going to hide from my employees or hide from my business. <laughs> it's like you can escape from the current configuration by, by modifying it and perhaps or in an organic way or in a dramatic way, you could be sort of self-aware to the things that do energize you, like charge up your battery and the things that drain your battery, even if you're good at them and start to optimize for the things that charge your battery and, and minimize the yes. things that drain it. Yeah. And I I start to see that in people usually in their mid to late 50s. It's really interesting. They're like, okay, I either have to sell this business so I can retire someday, or I have to figure out a way to reconfigure it so that I can keep going. Yep. And it's and a lot of times it's not even a financial decision. It's just it's a it's a it's an emotional and intellectual one about how do I want to live my life going forward and what role does the business play in that right yeah i i see it with folks and i should probably just attract different folks but but in their 40s who've got a couple kids under 10 and they're like they feel like they're missing out on those years and mm. they're like i you know maybe they were um workaholics overstating it but like really love their work and we'll just do it all the time. And, uh, but now it's like, oh, I've got something else that I would really love. And, and yeah. the, the work, in theory, the work will be here, you know, when they go off to college or whatever, whatever the time frame is. Um, but that, that little kids at home, still at home thing is like a, such a, it sounds like a lot of years, but it's actually pretty fleeting. And because every stage they're changing. Spoken like a dad. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just like, <laughs> It's crazy how each phase just disappears and you're like, you're like, oh, I guess that was, that's, that's the end of that experience. And it's usually good. So it's like, so anyway, so that's usually where I see it. It's, it's like less so people thinking I need to reconfigure the business or I need to do something, uh, because I'm looking not for the exit, but for like the next act, you know, what, how can I, how can I optimize this to perhaps have bigger impact, more of legacy, it's 
a little bit more near term, like a clear and present, uh, you know, if I miss one more soccer game, I'm going to like cry myself to sleep or whatever. You know? Well, I think, you know, for women uh, who decide to be mothers, that that happens sooner. It happens in, in their 30s. And so that's the other chunk of people we're talking about are women who, you know, they're go- they're like often physically giving birth. So for them, the concern starts right away. Mm-hmm. It's like it starts when you're pregnant and then it just accelerates after the birth of your first child. And then if you have more, it becomes more complex. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times that's the motivation is corporate America does not understand me. They don't understand that I do want to do a great job. I just can't do it in 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week. And I need to not have my nose counted. (laughs) I need to not be at the office at five o'clock because, you know, I'm going to be at the soccer game as an example, or, um, you know, I'm going to be home with my teeny tiny baby. So, yeah, I mean, because I think the point we're making here is that it, there's all these different stages and that's what's so great, I think, about having a soloist business is it sort of doesn't matter. You could be, yeah. you know, a woman in, in her 20s or 30s who says, wait a minute, I'm going to opt out of that. But I love what I do. I want to keep working. I want to keep contributing. I want to make an impact. And I want to do it in a way that I can also serve my family. And a lot of dads feel the same way. It's not an exclusively feminine thing. And then we get older, the kids leave. You're like, all right, so now what do I do? What does this look like? Or you you lose your job and there isn't another one that immediately comes up. And so, you you know, sort of the reluctant, I call those the reluctant consultants. Okay, I'm going to put out a shingle because it might be a while till I find something. And then, you know, sometimes they find they really love hanging that shingle and being independent. So it's, yeah, it's all these different stages. And that's what I love about being a soloist is it can work for any one of those. Mm. Cool. So I feel like I feel like the message for this episode is a little bit, a little a little bit of a continuation of last time, and it's like follow the things that energize you, and it's okay, and, and in fact, relatively speaking, easier for soloists to reconfigure things because they're not directly affecting a bunch of employees, and they don't have to change the culture, and they don't have to like message the vision and get all the alignment and all that. They can, <laughs> you can just change it, yeah, and start attracting a different kind of customer or whatever it is. And, and the, and I guess it's a little bit of a, of a cautionary tale is not the right way to put it, but it's, it's like a, an olive branch or something. That's not, that's not the right one either, but it's, it's just support for people that are familiar with all of the traditional business literature that talks about scaling with employees so that you can do the stuff you really want to do. It's like, well, if you didn't scale with employees in the first place, you could just do the stuff you want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's yeah. like you sidestep the problem in the first place and do yeah. that. You just do the energizing stuff and scale the business or, or get it, get it to the level where you want it with different kinds of leverage, not, you know, whatever it is, employees or whatever. Well, it's, it's a little bit tied into the definition of the word entrepreneur. Cause I've had a lot of people since I, since I started the n- new podcast go, Oh, soloist. I love that word because, you know, solopreneur, like, an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. It's not solopreneur versus non-solopreneur. But if you've got that desire to create something, then you just decide, like, what does it look like for me? Like, is it about having employees? It might be because you've got a big vision and you need a lot of people to carry some torches. 
Or it could be you still have a big vision. You're like, I don't want to hire people to carry the torches. I want to incent them be from the power of my vision to go carry the torch. It doesn't have to have my name attached. It doesn't have to even bring me direct revenue. But I want the ideas. I want my ideas out there in the zeitgeist. I want people to you know, to glom onto them and, and morph them into something even better. Right. It's 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 all about, you know, your core motivation. Once you get past knowing that you can earn a living, because I, I don't want to underestimate that. That is important. You've got to be able to to make your nut at the very least before, you know, it's it's comfortable to start thinking about these other things. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like build the structure. Yeah, it's just so I feel like I feel like I talk about this all the time on this show and elsewhere about like the the sort of my mission against hourly billing, the thing that really, really bothers me about hourly billing is like, it's not when I, it's not when I talk to someone who is perfectly happy with hourly billing and is like, like, Oh, well convince me that some other approach is better. Cause hourly billing is great for me for all these reasons. And they're happy with it. I'm like, if you're happy with it, I am not going to try and convince you to not be happy. Why would I do that? But it's for the people who aren't happy doing it that didn't realize they had another option. They never realized they had another option. Mm. They just went straight to the, what they thought was the only way to do it. And it's the exact same It's the exact same situation with people who, for whatever reason, want to scale up a business to a size that's bigger than it currently is. They want to, they want to grow the business and they don't know any other way to do it besides hiring employees. If you want to hire employees and you know that there are other ways and you decided not to do them for good reasons, then get great, good, be a leader, do, do that stuff, hide from them periodically. <laughs> do, <laughs> you, do you'll probably you find do. a better way to do it than my way was. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, there I know I know people, not I almost said plenty of people. It's not plenty of people. I know a couple of people who are really just genetically predisposed to leading big teams. They're just great yes. at it. Yeah. Uh, Thank goodness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because some things do require a bunch of people like you're not going to you're not going to create a business like I mean, it's not like us, but like Panera or Costco, you're not going to do that on your own. So, you know, but that's not the kind of businesses we're building. So for people like us, it's like as long as everybody knows kind of like what the options are on the buffet, whatever they decide is fine with me. I just hate them think I, I just hate to find out when people have hired a bunch of employees and they're they're being drained by it by the model and they sort of ended up there out of just a lack of information you know from reading the conventional wisdom of you yeah. know whatever e-myth revisited or whatever but it's not even that it's the, i mean it that is true but in addition to that there are some people out there who espouse a system you know it's their worldview it's their point of view and it's you have to have employees or you're a loser mm-hmm. i mean i'm paraphrasing but that's essentially what they're saying it's the implication, and so, yeah yeah and you get involved in those groups and you're like you either feel like you know the odd person out or you start drinking the Kool-Aid going, yeah, I have to have employees. And I have to laugh because I see some of those people. And they're like, yeah, I hired an employee. Oh, big mistake. No, yep. no, no. And usually it's like when they hire a mini-me versus like a, a VA of some sort. But, right. And they're like, no, I didn't want to do that. And by the way, I lost money. And it totally changed the trajectory of my business in that year that happened. It took my focus off, you know, all those things. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, it's like it's there's that Kool-Aid and I think 
it behooves all of us to really think about what the message is. That's why I don't want to ever come across as saying having employees is bad because I, I don't agree. I think that there is a model for everybody and how they work best. And it's not, you know, it's not one or the other. I focus on soloists now because I'm so energized by it and I love it so much yeah. that, you know, I want people to be able to see what's possible by doing that. But it doesn't mean that you can't have a wonderful business with employees. Of course. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Employees is just not my genius zone either to have them or to coach people who have them. You know, someone someone with employees was talking to me about private coaching and I was in you know, like and I was like, just, as long as you don't expect to get any, you can ask me anything you want, but don't expect to get good advice about anything HR related or, <laughs> you know, conflicts between departments or skirmishes between employees. It's like, I can't, you know, I, I've got an opinion like everybody else, but, you know, I'm not going to have sage wisdom to, I, I just don't. No, it's not in your genius I, I don't zone. collect that stuff. I don't collect that information. Well, see, and the way I look at it is, for me, that would be in my zone of excellence. Like, I could do that. I have done that. I mean, I counseled HR people for years, but I don't want to do that. And there's lots of people who can do it better than me. Yeah. Lots and lots. So, yeah, leave that on the table. Cool. Okay. I don't think we need to, to beat this drum anymore. <laughs> it's like, like we usually do. <laughs> like we usually do. Yeah. It's It boils down to something I know we discussed recently. But just to wrap it up, it's like that feeling of needing to escape from your business, I think is a little bit of a sign that it, it might be uh, something to look at in terms of like reconfiguring things so that you're doing more of the stuff that juices you up and less of the stuff that drains you. Yeah, our job is not to be a martyr to the business. It yeah. just isn't. It just place. isn't. We should have a great life. Uh, you know, you took a lot of risk to start your business. Um, you put up with things that employees don't have to deal with. You should get to call the shots so that they work for you and the people you want to impact. Perfect place to leave it. Awesome. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>